Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have three sponsors for today's episode. Four Athletics Apparel, Blue Apron, and Stamps.com. And you'll hear more about those sponsors at the breaks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff, and today's episode is going to be a little bit out of the ordinary. This is one of the few times that I'm recording this entire episode having no idea what's coming next. It's Tuesday morning right now, and I'm in the process of packing up all my things, heading to the airport, and heading back down to Tyler, Texas. You may have noticed that I haven't said a word to any of you about this particular trip. And that's because I happen to be going to Tyler, Texas at the same time that Allison Clayton of the Innocence Project of Texas and her students are heading to Tyler to get the copies of Ed's files from the district attorney's office. Since Matt Bingham appears to be being very open with Allison and giving her access to all the records, but is fighting tooth and nail to keep me from getting my hands on those records, I didn't want him or anyone in the DA's office to know that we were in town at the same time. I believe that if they have any indication that I'm there, they're going to assume that Allison and I are there working together and they'll back out of giving her those records. So this week I'll be staying outside of town, avoiding the town square altogether, and hopefully staying undercover and not letting on to anyone that I'm even there. But the reality is that this mission has nothing to do with getting those records. This trip is an important one. Perhaps the most important trip that I've made since we began this case this trip could be the game changer for not only Edward Aids but also for Kenny Snow. You haven't heard much about Kenny's case in a while but I have been working on it behind the scenes and it's my intention for my first stop tomorrow morning to be to go meet with Bill Cole and have him sign an official affidavit confirming that he has never been in that courtroom, that it was not Kenny Snow's wine-colored Honda Accord that was the getaway car in the robbery and that he only saw mugshots one time And I also plan on showing him for the very first time Kenny Snow's actual mugshot from one week after the robbery. If he looks at that mugshot and tells me that that is not the man who robbed him, I have an affidavit already prepared for him to sign to that regard. These documents could be the catalyst to get Kenny Snow's case back into court. But besides meeting with Bill Cole, this week I plan to confront for the first time Leonard Mosley and question him about the murder of Elnora Griffin. And I also intend to make another attempt to contact Francis Johnson. But for now, I'm signing off and headed to the airport. My next entry will be from Tyler, Texas. It's about 11 o'clock Tuesday night right now. I landed in Dallas a couple of hours ago, got into my rental car, and I've just arrived at the hotel. Something feels different about this trip. 
I can't quite put my finger on it, but it just feels important. Just walking out of the airport in Dallas, I immediately started to feel anxiety that I've never felt before when I've come here. Something inside me is telling me that this could be it. This trip could result in both Kenny Snow and Edward Eights both finally walking free. It's an eerie feeling right now sitting in this hotel room. The air just feels heavy. I know that everything is riding on this. And I'm sure that sleep is going to be impossible tonight. But for now it's time to try. Because the first stop tomorrow morning is a meeting with Bill Cole. Well, I'm halfway through day one right now, and so far the day has been a bit of a bust. I talked to Bill Cole this morning, and he actually has a medical issue happening right now and was getting ready to go into the hospital. He says it'll be out tonight, and hopefully we can meet tomorrow or Friday. I'm praying, both for Bill's sake and for Kenny's sake, that everything comes out okay and Bill's feeling fine tomorrow. I did accomplish a lot of other things during the day today but I still can't help but feel disappointed that I wasn't able to hook up with Bill. But it's time to regroup. I'm in the hotel right now, changing clothes, and getting ready to make my trip out to see Leonard Mosley. I've hooked up with a listener who's a Tyler local that's going to come with me on this trip to help provide security. So I will have someone watching my back. And he should be arriving to my hotel here in just a few minutes. And it's time to head out for what I hope will be the biggest interview you've ever heard on this show. I'm ready, man. I am. I am ready. Hopefully, he'll uh, hopefully he'll talk to me. Well, you know, I, I wonder if anyone has come to try to discuss any of this with him. Uh, you know, in the last, you know, what five, six, eight, ten years. Probably not. I, mean, I seriously doubt it. And I'm, I'm wondering if he has any idea why. Like, if anybody's told him, "Hey, man, there's this guy doing this podcast." And he's digging in. He's digging in. Because if that's the case, I'm pretty sure he's going to tell me to fuck off as soon as I get there. Um, but if not, I mean, I hope I, I hope I can convince him to get in there. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to know how he's going to react, especially you know. I don't know if he's the one that did it, but all signs. <sighs> seem to indicate that that's the case. You know, you got literally every single piece of physical evidence points to him. You know, there's they had all those all there's nothing points to Ed. No. I don't know, man. I hate to I hate to put that on somebody without proof, but I mean, I don't I don't see how it couldn't have been him. You know, when you when you look at the evidence in the, in in this case, when we broke it down at the very beginning, right? I started looking at the crime scene and try to forget everything that we know from the police and we know from the prosecution and all that. Just look at the crime scene. You know, the she's so short and the angle, the cut, you know, everything about the, the, the blood spatter patterns all point to someone who is short, short and statured. And, the, and I reported on that and I discovered that prior to ever having any idea what Mosley looked like I didn't know anything about the man yeah. um, 
and then you know you got the this the semen that's on there's there's fresh semen on the comforter in the house she's found nude blood type is not AIDS blood type is Mosley's you know it's not a DNA test sure. um, you know she had the, the meal on the stove the, the message on the answer machine saying he was coming over that night he always goes there on Thursday nights you know the fact that he he says that you know he, he didn't go that night because he didn't have work clothes but he says he got home at 10 after 12 and his girlfriend says he didn't get home till 12.45 you know it's, it's like everything yeah. everything seems to point to him and then it's 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 amazing when you look at it. Nothing points to Ed. Nothing. Sure. You know, you got all the fingerprints on the scene. None of them are his. All the hairs on the scene. None of them are his. Semen on the scene. Not his. Blood on the scene. Not his. Right. You know, there, there's no trace of him ever being in that house. No blood on his clothes. No scratches on his body. <clears throat> nothing. I just... It's... <clears throat> my, my gut My gut says it's him. And uh, you tweeted you something about... She said, well, I'm short, and I scoot the seat back every time I get out of the car. Yeah. So it could have been someone short that moved the that moved the oh, seat forward. Or it could have been complete bullshit. That was sure. The, that was the thing with those detectives was all that stuff they said in trial about you know the seat being pushed all the way back. The night they investigated the, the car, been the, moved. The, the the murder, and wrote the report and processed the car. It says nothing in that report about the seat. Yeah. It wasn't until after they arrested Ed Aids or they were getting ready to arrest Ed Aids. That and old, the car had been moved. Yeah, right. Yes. It had been released back to the family. You know, so that who knows who moved it, but sure. I don't right. think it ever even was back. I mean, who knows? If it was, they would have noted it. Right. It's just like the, the towel with the big handprint on it. You know, if that's such a huge critical piece of evidence, why didn't they take one photo of it, document it in a single report? Yes. There's no mention. Like, these were things that were fabricated after they had their suspect, they fabricated evidence to fit their suspect, rather right. than gathering the evidence and seeing which suspect they pointed it towards. Because if they had done that, the evidence obviously points towards. It doesn't mean he did it. I'm not. I'm not going that far yet. But the sure. evidence clearly points towards Leonard Mosley is the killer in every single element. But they just never even. They never even looked at it. Right. All right. So think that some of this is Mosley property here too. Where we're going is down other this road kind of curves around and it's down on the other side down there. Alright. But I think Ed's mom, Margie, told me that they actually own some of this property too. track that goes back in there is according to this actually yeah that says on the mailbox over there I think that was it right back there that's a little better situation too alright let's pull into this church and get get ourselves situated Jason and I drove past the house we believed to be Leonard Mosley's. We parked in an old church parking lot, and I took a minute to get my composure. 
I came up with a plan of attack and headed back to Mosley's house. Definitely got the right place. Yeah. Conk took a photo of the concrete pad out in front of the barn. Mosley. El Mosley. It's his house. It's not home. Well, I struck out in my first attempt to interview Leonard Mosley, but it wasn't a wasted trip. At least now I'm positive that I know where he lives. When I was wandering around the property looking for Leonard, I found a concrete pad poured down back by his barn where he had written into the concrete, L. Mosley, 11-11-2010. This wasn't a total loss. I had at least found the right house. And I'd be back later. Today's episode is sponsored in part by 4Athletics Apparel. 4Athletics has just come out with a new tank top for women. The new tank top is called the Soul Tank, and Becky really likes this one. Like I mentioned, when she works out, she likes to work out in just a sports bra. But she's been wearing her Soul Tank around just as a tank top to wear out and about. This one's not form-fitting like their other tank tops. It's a more comfortable, loose-fitting tank top made out of tensile. Tensile is a high-end fabric that is made out of eucalyptus fibers. It's one of the most sustainable fabrics that can be found on the market. It's got a great look and a great feel, and Becky absolutely loves hers. So all you ladies out there, if you're looking for a tank top that's not form-fitting, check out the Soul Tank at 4Athletics.com. And remember, with 4Athletics, you're getting Lululemon-quality clothing at a fraction of the price because of their crowdsourcing model. These products are American-made, they'll ship all over the world, and it's simple to order. Just go to 4Athletics.com, select the products that you want, You'll see the track bar under the product that'll tell you what percent funded it is. That's that crowdfunding model that keeps those prices super low. Order your apparel, and as soon as the item is fully funded, it's going to ship out to you in just about two weeks. And don't forget to use my promo code TRUTH for 15% off. As you all know, 4Athletics Apparel has been a huge supporter of the Truth and Justice movement, and they are offering Truth and Justice listeners 15% off of their entire purchase. So don't wait. Go to 4Athletics.com and use my promo code TRUTH for 15% off. While I was driving away from Leonard Mosley's house, I was feeling a combination of excitement about confirming the location and disappointment that he wasn't there. I still have a whole other day to keep going back and trying to catch him at home. And I won't quit tomorrow until I get this interview. But right now it's time to regroup and take another shot at tracking down Francis Johnson. We took off down the country roads and headed towards Francis Johnson's mother's house, hoping that maybe we could catch him at home or at least maybe catch his brother again and get a better idea of where he's at. As I walked up to the door, a new character emerged that I had never met before. Francis's sister. He doesn't live here. Oh, he's not down here anymore? No, he doesn't live here. Okay. This is his mama's house. I'm his sister. Okay, I'm Bob, by the way. Virginia. Nice to meet you in Virginia. Okay. Okay, so yeah, I had an address for him in, in what I thought the people said they were on. So he's, is that where he's staying? Is up there by well, Dallas? You know, I, you know, with him, it's hard to say, well, that's, 
Yeah, so far as I know, he comes by here to see his mom. He was here this week. Oh, yeah? I believe, yeah. Okay, is, is, is his mom, you don't have to have a phone number for you, do you? We don't, we don't. He doesn't, you know, give us any information. Just kind of swings by yeah, away. Yeah, and he's here, and he'll come by and see her. She's 94, she has dementia. Okay. Virginia doesn't seem to know anything about this case. As you heard, she was a sweet woman, and she was more than willing to chat with me. Francis appears to be almost like a drifter. Even his own family doesn't know exactly where he lives. They don't know what his phone number is or even if he has one. But all I can do is hope that they will get a hold of him and that he'll get a hold of me, because he could be the person to break this case wide open. Francis knows something. After meeting with Virginia, it was time to head back to the hotel and try to regroup. I grabbed some dinner in the hotel lobby and a stiff drink that I brought back up here to my hotel room. Tonight's not a beer night. It's a Jack Daniels kind of night for me. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Thursday morning right now. My last full day in Tyler. I didn't sleep much last night. I had a lot of high hopes for yesterday, but as I laid in bed and thought back on it, my checklist was to meet with Bill Cole and have him sign an affidavit, interview Leonard Mosley, and interview Francis Johnson. And I wasn't able to accomplish any of those three. After maybe sleeping two hours last night, I'm tired and I'm kind of feeling discouraged. But it's a new day. The sun is rising high over the hotel, and I have 24 more hours to accomplish my mission. I need to go downstairs and hit the treadmill and think for a little while. And then it's time to get back into the game. A short workout and a cup of coffee has my blood flowing again now. I'm feeling awake, charged, and ready to go get this thing done. One of the things on today's agenda is one of the meetings that I've really been looking forward to. You know that I couldn't come all the way to Texas and not take the time to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Ed's wife, Kim. Up until probably a couple of years ago, it was hard for me to see him like that. And the kids would always want to go see him. I was just like, I couldn't face him. I couldn't face him like that. So the visits, you know, became fewer and fewer. I would take him on Father's Day. But just recently, I noticed, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, Zach didn't want to go. And he would never say why he, would, he didn't want to go, but he just did not want to go. And I know and he plays basketball. He's like, well, if my daddy was here, you know, I could be better. So that's heartbreaking. You know, he has not had his daddy ever outside of a prison wall. Never. And, and I know when he sees, you know, he sees his other friends and basketball games and their mom and dad is there. I, I know that plays a part on him, in him. I know. 
And he's just, he's feeling some kind of way now, not having his father around. And it's, it's hard. But because of you guys and the work that you're doing, we now have hope. And he sees that. He sees that. He doesn't say much about it, but he definitely sees that it's a great possibility that his dad is going to come home. And that is the best feeling in the world. I can't even tell you how it feels to have hope. And after all these years, I still love him. And he still loves me. It's, you know, it's, it's amazing. And it's beautiful. I've never been the one that wanted anybody to feel sorry for me or have pity on me. So I cried in silence. I never wanted my mom to see how much pain I was in. Because as a mom, you're helpless and you don't ever want to feel helpless towards your kids. There was nothing nobody could do to ease that. So a lot of my crying was done at night when everybody was asleep or at work in the bathroom. Nobody ever knew how I felt on the inside. On the outside, I would smile and I would go on, but it tore me up for years and I never wanted anybody to feel sorry for me. So I faked it. I faked it for my mother's sake. I faked it for my children's sake. I faked it. I just, I just can't wait for us to be a family. And like I told Elva, we need to get to know one another. You know, 18 years is a long time. Right. I'm no longer that 27-year-old woman. You know, I've matured and, and I've learned some things. So we need to, you know, because everything, when he gets out, he wants us to do everything as a family. That's fine, but we need some, a long time. We know <laughs> he wants to take the kids everywhere. Like, no, they can't go everywhere. <laughs> We're going to take, a minute. yeah, <laughs> please. So, yeah, he's all about family. Uh-huh. And he, he's always been like that. And I remember the first time I asked him, what do, what do you want to do when you get home? He's just like, I just want to sit on the couch and talk to my family. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then I think a couple of weeks ago I asked him what did he want to do. And he said, I want to go see my grandmama. I said, he said, the only reason that I'll go back to Tyler is to take care of my grandmother's grave. He said, nothing else is in Tyler for me. Yeah, he said that during jury deliberations, his, his lawyer came in and said, Dobbs is offering 10 years. And he said, my immediate reaction was, 10 years for what? Yep. I didn't do anything. I'm not not taking 10 years. And the fact that he did that in the face of, they knew the jury was 10 to 2 that day. Mm -hmm. They knew there was a chance he was going to get convicted and sent away for life. And they offered him 10 years. And he told them to shove it up their ass. And that, that what strikes me about him is he's told me that story a few times. He's never told me that he regretted it. Mm-hmm. Never once. I've heard other people, you know, other inmates and people that I've talked to and, and clients, and, and you hear things like, man, if I had taken that plea deal, I'd be out by now. 
never once told me he regretted it. Because he never wants to be known as a killer. Right. He didn't do it. Kim and I had a long talk. And an emotional talk. I'm not sure which one of us cried more, but I'm going to go ahead and say it was probably me. It kills me every time I look into that woman's eyes and see them welling up with tears and seeing those tears run down her cheek. The weight of all of this is heavy for me. I've grown close with Ed and Kim and Kyra and Zach. I may have grown too close. I'm emotionally attached and invested in this case. And I know that if we fail and this process doesn't work and Ed doesn't get to come home, it's going to be devastating, not just for them, but for me as well. And I'm feeling that weight today, like a ton of bricks on my back. We were just talking about this earlier. Yeah. Maybe a little too close to all this. <laughs> because, you know, getting to know Ed and getting to know you and Kyra and Zachary. <laughs> you know we can't guarantee you anything. Quitting's not an option. Thursday night's work rolled into 3 o'clock in the morning on Friday. After just a couple hours of sleep, I'm up now. I'm going to make a final attempt to go contact Bill Cole. I haven't talked to him since his surgery on Tuesday, and I'm hoping that he made it through and that he's feeling all right, and that we can get these documents signed for Kenny Snow. I got Bill Cole on the phone this morning. He made it through the surgery just fine. He was still a little tired today, but he definitely sounds like he's already getting back to his old self. Before I could get a word in edgewise, he told me about how much he wishes that Ted Cruz was still in the run for the presidency, and I think that he actually made up his own expletive to describe Hillary Clinton. He's clearly not a fan. It was classic Bill Cole. He asked me if I could come by on Monday to have him review the mugshots and sign the documents course I'll be back home by then. But I've made arrangements with Kenny's attorney Susan Schoon to meet him next week to go over all the documents with Bill Cole, get the affidavit signed, and get Kenny Snow's case rolling. But even though I didn't get to meet up with Bill while I was in town, I did get to meet some really cool people. Allison Clayton arrived into Tyler on Thursday with her students from the Texas Tech University School of Law's Innocence Clinic. I got to meet three of the students who are working on Ed's case. And I want to give a big shout out to Ashley, Rudy, and Mercedes. They have been working tirelessly on Ed's case even before this semester began, through the summer when they didn't have to. I was incredibly impressed by their knowledge of the case. They've obviously done a lot of homework. And I also want to give a shout out to Megan from the Texas A&M School of Law's Innocence Clinic. Megan drove down a couple of hours so that she could go with Allison and her team today to help them recover the documents at the DA's office. This week in Tyler has showed me just how incredibly powerful this crowdsourcing movement is. So many people are willing to drop everything and do anything they can to help a complete stranger. And because of all of that support, we're actually making progress in Ed's case. Speaking of which, even though I had a few swings and misses this week, I was able to end the week with a home run. Well, me and Ed knew it was going together. And we, we was always straight with each other. Okay, you know, up front. So she started acting kind of, you know, kind of distant a little bit. Uh -huh. Hey, what's wrong, you know? Next week on Truth and Justice.
Thank you to Johnny Rhodes of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all the music for the show. Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logos. I want to give a special thanks this week to the Texas Tech University School of Law. Thank you to Dean Darby Dickerson for putting me in contact with the Innocence Project to begin with. I want to thank Allison Clayton and all of her students for all of the work that they're doing on Ed's case. I want to say thanks to my man Jason and Tyler for going with me and backing me up this week. And a big thank you to Sarah Mueller, Sarah Hoyt, and Desiree Dunn. They have been kicking ass on the transcripts for the last week. And not only have they been transcribing the current podcast and the catalog of old podcasts, but they've even taken on printing them and mailing them out to Ed for me. I appreciate it, and Ed appreciates it. And as soon as I get a free minute, I'll get those transcripts up on the website. I want to thank today's sponsors, 4Athletics Apparel, Stamps.com, and Blue Apron for all of your support for today's episode. And as always, I want to thank all of you for all of the ways that you have supported this movement. Through your Patreon donations, purchasing t-shirts, sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas, and all the help you've provided in any way that I've ever asked. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. Keep sending in new cases to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. Like the Facebook page or follow me on Twitter at truthjusticepod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.